0: Amen. Excited to be in the book of Proverbs tonight. If you have a Bible, you can make your way there to Proverbs chapter 31. Quick FYI, uh, next week, as we will have finished up the book of Proverbs, we're going to do a, a Q&A night. Now, we haven't done one like this before, so it's going to be kind of a first-time trial thing, and so I'm going to give the evening over to questions. So if you have questions, you can ask them that evening, or if you want to write them down ahead of time or email them to me, you can do that. There's little sheets on the back counter there, uh, and we'll do our best just to see how that works out. Appreciate your prayers in that, longing for what God has for us. Well, that there for next week. Tonight, we're in the book of Proverbs, and actually, we're finishing it up. Uh, we've been going through the book of Proverbs for a while, and uh, so this evening, we find ourselves finishing up the book of Proverbs. Excited for that? Excited for what God's going to be there for us? Hoping you have a Bible. If you don't, there's Bibles in front of you and the chairs in front of you. Grab one of those uh, to follow along with us. If you have an electronic device you're following on that works one way or another, be in the scriptures with us so that tonight God would open up his word to you. If you're joining us in the overflow or online, so glad. Same invitation. Have the scriptures open before you so that God would speak his word to us. Let's ask him for that. I'm going to just lead you in prayer, long that you would ask as well, that God would just speak to us what he has for us tonight. Father, we thank you tonight for your good favor. We thank you that you are God who knows us and sees us. God, I ask that tonight you would take your word and just open it to us so that we get it, understand it. And that, God, you would give us ears to hear. You would give us the ability to to hear your voice, uh, what you would have for us. God, that in in your mercy, in your power you would just cause uh, that reality to, to land for each one of us. God, to the extent that it happens, I recognize that's you. That is your work, but I'm asking for it. I'm asking that you, by the power of your spirit, would meet us and show us what you have for us tonight. We ask for that for each of us now. Just give us ears to hear what you say to us and have for us, and together we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Proverbs chapter 31, I don't think that there's, uh, you know, uh, anyone here this evening that's never heard, never thought through some of the processes. We think through Proverbs chapter 31 and what's, you know, just commonly understood as the Proverbs 31 wife and uh, just the the virtuous wife that's described for us in, in the text in front of us. And I'm excited to kind of present this to you. But before we dive into it, let's just think about it for a moment. Certainly what we're going to find out here is that God is going to describe it. This is his word and he's going to give us a window into his design for his intention for marriage, for his intention for a wife, and what would be in there. And it's a good design. It's a good standard. But I want to own it and just say it from the outset that you would understand with me. It's a standard which every single lady in here, every single wife does fall short. I mean, that's just part of the whole deal of understanding this. I think about just that place in Romans where it tells us, you know, as it's written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's not anyone who could sit there and go, yeah, I totally got that. I, I'm totally, you know, landing everything that's in the midst of this. It's not possible, it's not there. But that actually raises a question. So what do we do with that? So what do we do when God gives us a standard that's a good standard? When God lays out a, a place of, of, of his truth, and it's a place that we fall for, just short of, biblically, we don't lower that standard. Biblically, we don't change it and say, well, you know, you know maybe we got to grade this on the curve, you know, in some space of, hey, everybody is, is different than that. Yet that is so much the world that you live in. That right now, people in many ways have almost just taken. Okay, well, you know, if you put it in context of who we are, you gotta you you make it more doable. But God doesn't do that. I mean, His standard of righteousness and what He has for our life is above us. So God calls us to see it, embrace what's right there, and repent. That we come and say, God, I I, I fall short. I'm not. Uh, what you have for me. I'm not in the midst of this. And in Christ, we find both forgiveness and life. I just want to lay before you this evening that there's wonder in this, that there's a space that we look and say, okay, you know, that's not where we are. That's what what God needs to work and what God needs uh, to do in the midst of this. Yet then in Christ, we still press after that. And he begins to do on us what we could never have done for ourselves, that he begins to transform. And, and Romans tells us that he begins to cause us by his power to begin to pursue towards that where Paul would say, I'm pressing high after that. So I want to say this very, very clearly. I recognize I'm talking to everybody in one sense, but very specifically the ladies and very specifically the wives and saying, hey, you know, I don't know where this is going to land for you. I don't know how that's going to come across, if it's going to feel like condemnation or going to feel like, hey, that's impossible, uh, but don't change the standard. say, well, That's what God, this is what he's saying, Uh, and it's right, and where I fall short, let it just draw me to repentance. Let it draw, say, God, you know, I mean, my my flesh is in the way, my my brokenness is in the way, wash me, forgive me, and then God, help me to be more uh, of what you have for me. So that would be helpful. That's a good approach as we look at a standard that God's going to lay out here of this virtuous wife that he describes in the midst of this. But let me ask a different question. So why does Proverbs end like this? Why does Proverbs, this incredible book that is just, just epitomizing, just showing us the, the, the greatness of God's wisdom, that's this place of living in light of, uh, in the fear of God that tells us that, you know, that wisdom is this place of recognizing that and believing it. So all through the book of Proverbs, we've been just hammering to, to live a, a godly life, a wise life, living in light of who God is in the fear of God, that wisdom is found in that foundational place of believing that Why? Into the book of Proverbs with this poetic picture of this this godly wife. Well, I would put before you that in seeing that God's design for the godly wife, we see something so much more. We see something of his intention for his people. We see something of his intention for the church that is highlighted throughout the Bible, especially in the New Testament, that we are the bride of Christ, that we step into that. I think about it this way. In the book of Ephesians, Paul would write, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. But this is a great mystery. I speak concerning Christ in the church, that if you can see God's intention for marriage and you can see what it looks like, then you see beyond that. You see how it pictures the, the relationship that God seeks to have with us, his people, and, and even the response to that. So Proverbs ends this way, and as we fast forward to the end of the Bible, it's an interesting picture. It's the day where we're standing before Christ and, and, and being presented to him. And there in Revelation 19, it pictures, you know, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his wife, which is us, that's the church, the, the bride of Christ, his wife has made herself ready. And to her, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So this is a glorious moment, this moment where the the church is standing before Christ and and is now given this this place of standing and she's being presented in this place, you know, and arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, and the righteous acts of the saints making up all that that is. And if I can say it in a very simple way, what that will be is what Proverbs 31 describes those things which are done in that, in our response to Christ, uh, becomes a picture of that which we're going to have in this. And so here's where we get to go. We think about this right now that we get a chance of looking at this Proverbs 31 wife, but we see something that's so much more. We see God's intention for us. So Let's just kind of own this for a second. See, for some of you, like, guys, you're like, man, this is so cool. I get to come to a Bible study that has nothing to do with me. It's like, go pick on them, you know, go make it, you know, work for them, and it's just great for it not to be me, but that's not where we are. We do get to see what marriage is. We do get to see God's intention for a wife, but then we get to see something so much more. We get to see how we're supposed to respond to Christ, how, how we get to live into that relationship and, and where that's going to go. And we certainly want to gaze into that so applicable for all of us, a place that we would see our response and the life that God would have for us in Christ. Okay, one more nugget before we begin working through this incredible section. Uh, This section is an acrostic poem uh, that is written from uh, A to Z, if you will. That is, in the Hebrew language, that there are 22 letters uh, within the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 lines uh, in this this poetic poem, and each line begins with a subsequent letter of the Hebrew language. Now if I were really a great wordsmith and I had tons of time to put put into it I'd love I was thinking about how to, try to how to make that happen like to try to do it in English language and you would if you did you'd have the first lines like a, you know, you, know, you know, she's whatever, you know, and then B, and then C, and then D, and you'd work your way down. And so the whole poem moves through this beautiful picture of kind of covering everything that's there. It makes it memorable. It makes it uh, something that flows. But it is in one sense, almost as I put it up on the screen there, it's kind of looking at it from A to Z which we would say is a fully kind of comprehensive picture. It's like the whole deal. It's like the entire thing that's laid out there, but in a way that would just be, you know, catching and drawing into the midst of us. Now, most of us don't read Hebrew, so it's not going to be helpful for me to, you know, kind of work it through with you in, in, in the Hebrew language. Uh, again, if I was, if we wanted to try to figure it out, maybe we'd do it in a different space, but instead I'm just going to do it with numbers, So there are 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, so I'm going to kind of put just 22 spaces on the screen, and we're just going to do our best, uh, just in a very simple and quick way, uh, to walk through these statements, these descriptions of a godly wife. I suppose one last thing, Um, it's worth noting that, again, this godly wife is being described. So ladies, certainly there would be an immediate kind of apprehension and a place of understanding and appreciation of that. But it's also worth noting that actually the poem isn't written to uh, a wife. It's written to a young man. It's written to, you know, here's you know this godly mom that's writing to her son saying, this is what you should look for. This is the kind of wife I want for you. Uh, This is what... Uh, I would lay out for your life is, is really, it just kind of begins our whole chapter by saying, you know, it's the words of King Lemuel by the, by, that his mother taught him. And so her desire to say, boy, this is what I long for for you. And that's just powerful. So good in a number of ways to think for it through even, uh, again, ladies, men, uh, and all of us in, in Christ. All right. Well, let's just begin. The 22 statements that are found here, it begins in verse 10 this way. Who can find a virtuous wife? Her worth is far above rubies. It just lays out this reality of calling us to understand that she is virtuous, that there's there's strength in this. Now, that word virtuous has the idea of excellent or, or powerful in many ways. In fact, it's the same word that would be used for mighty. Uh, other places in scripture where I talk about the mighty men uh, of David or, you know, I'm speaking to Gideon, you mighty man of valor. It's a word that speaks of kind of a character, but a powerful character. Uh, something that you would look in there and say, hey, this is good. This is something that is, that is, is just something that's excellent, that's powerful, that's beautiful uh, in many ways. And in many ways, it opens it up by saying that we're looking for something that flows in that direction. Something that is mighty, that is powerful, that is something to be there. He says, if you could find that, it's worth more than rubies. It's worth more than all the treasure you could find. Secondly, it tells us in verse 11... For the heart of her husband safely trusts her. She will have no lack of gain that the reality is is not only is is in this sense she she virtuous, it is a place that you'd look there and say, okay, there's trustworthiness in the midst of this. There's this space where it would look and say, her husband is is able to look and say, hey, I I can trust you. I can trust you with me. I can trust you with our lives. I have trust in in your character. I have trust in your faithfulness. Uh, And and all of this would say that that she is someone that is that so much so that it brings this place uh, of just being, being trustworthy. It's a good description. It's a good description in a world that's so marked with lies and failure to say, hey, that's something God looks for. And yet still to say the same, it's what God longs for, for us in Christ to, to, to say, you know, he longs for us to be those who, you know, would, would, would in that sense, walk in faith and, and have this trust where it wouldn't be emptying out and robbing, just drawing us to so much more that he has. Well, verse 12, we get number three. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. So it says, here's this thing that not only is she virtuous, trustworthy, she's doing good. In fact, I didn't really, wasn't really able to fit it in there, so I'm just going to stick it above it. It's this, not just doing good generically, it's do, it does him good. That there's this place of, of thinking through that, of being a blessing, uh, of being one that is that. And the contrast within the Hebrews, a very strong kind of contrast between good and evil. It's a place of saying, "Hey, you're doing good, not doing evil, not doing the wrong, not doing that which would be uh, that which would be harmful in the midst of that." And again, just a call of of blessing. And yet, how good this would be for you to understand. That's what God would long for you in Christ. That you would sit there and say, "I want to do Him good. I want my life to be marked." with doing good for the Lord, doing, just living a space of saying, God, that marks my days would be that which would be who I am, and certainly is a picture of that which she is. Verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. The emphasis is in this place of, of, of her just with joy and, and a willingness that is seeking to say, hey, I want to. Uh, I'm I'm with just joy doing this, and she's seeking out, uh, you know, being industrious, being faithful in the midst of this, but in a place that uh, the heart of it isn't a force to have to, it's a joy to, it's a willing. It's a place that it becomes this place of desire and this place of of, of walking in what this would be and and a faithfulness that would be in the midst of it and, and so longing that it would be that in our lives. You know, I think about it. You know, sometimes for us in, as followers of Christ, uh, you know, we find ourselves being compelled or, or almost feeling like, well, I have to. But I find myself thinking about in the book of Judges, it talks about in the day of the power of Christ that, you know, all of those who put with him are going to be volunteers. That there's going to be a sense that we do so because we want to. We, we're following him, walking in his ways. And I want you to understand, that's what God looks for for you right now. You're not looking for you to, to be one that just does what you have to do because you have to do it or somehow are forced to do it because of whatever external pressures are there. It's like, I want to. Boy, I, I want to willingly, you know, be that that steps into those spaces. I want to be one that does that in the power that's there. Well, verse 14, we get uh, number five. It says she's like a, a merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. And it has this idea of, I'm just going to use the word, it's probably not the right way to kind of describe it. I was trying to think about how to work it. Innovative, it's this idea of just going to to links. I mean, it's the idea of, of almost like you would sit there in a port and watch ships coming in and bringing you know, things from all these places. She does that. She says she's like that. She, she's not a ship, but she's, this is a place that's pulling in things from everywhere, being able to pull life together and, and do so in a way that is supplying, that's blessing in the midst of this, and a place that would certainly be that uh, in, in our lives. Add to that, verse 15, she also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. And uh, really probably the emphasis in this is, is both her, her provision uh, and just the, the faithfulness with which she does that. You know, the, in this sense of, you know, that she provides food for her household, she rises, you know, while it's night to do so, providing not just that, but the portion and just the faithfulness that would be in the midst of this, this place that would say, uh, you know, it's my joy, you know, to, to, to be one that walks in that. You know, it's an amazing thing to watch that. It's an amazing place you, know, you think it through. And, and, and for some of your marriages even here this evening, you might even be able to say, hey, that is true. And, and I think about, you know, my wife, she is this. I mean, it's one of those places always, you know, providing that which is needed and necessary before I could even think about it. You know, it's like, I think, well, I think we need to get something. She's like, I already got it. It's like, oh, okay, that's really, really great. I mean, this is a really fun deal, but there's a, a heart behind it that says, hey, that's what, that's my joy. You know, so it's my joy to be one that would provide for that, to do that, you know, in a place of of rising even before and taking care of that. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it for her profits. She she plants a vineyard. And the emphasis here is kind of almost on what I'm going to use, just had to pick a single word, but kind of her strategist, like she's thinking it through, like she's looking ahead and thinking, huh, you know, she's considering a field and thinking, you know, that could work out well for us. That could be That could be something good, she buys it, and then she plants uh, again with something recognizing, hey, this is going to be something that we 're going to enjoy later uh, this isn 't something we get today, but it 's something that she 's kind of gazing ahead and thinking, you know I, I want this to be something that would be a blessing in the future. By the way, just a very quick aside uh, worth just quickly thinking it through for a moment. you know you definitely get to see some faithfulness in here, you definitely get to see industry and blessing. And you know, it's one of the questions that people often wrestle through today, you know, like, OK, you know, can women work? You know, how does that work? And I want to say, you know, you definitely get to see a place uh, even in here that, you know, the, the, the wife here is a part of that and, and getting to be that. That's a great space without getting too technical. But I will just quickly take you through uh, really, I think, the design for it. One of the interesting things is that I really do believe in marriage, God is meant for men to be the provider. I think it's been put that upon us. I think it's his design in the midst of that. The Proverbs 31 wife, everything that she does is a blessing. Everything that she does adds to uh, none of it is the, you know, providing the substance. And I think it's a beautiful picture of God's good intention. Now, fallen world, brokenness, no condemnation, where some of you be like, man, it's just not the world I live in right now. It's not where I am. Hey, God's merciful and he meets that. But there is still something beautiful in seeing uh, his intention to that. And if I can then translate that just very quickly to what we have in Christ. He is the one that provides everything. He is the one that is all that we are. And yet there is something about him calling us you know, to be those who, who would say, God, I want to live my life well. I want to be involved in your kingdom. I want to see things and even forward thinking to be this like, hey, what can we do that would be, you know, I want to see the gospel go forward or I want to see things move forward. And it's a good space that uh, is just pictured in this Proverbs 31 wife of her being this one who is considering it, who's planting, who's thinking for you the future and longing for that. All right. Well, Continuing. So we've made it through seven of them. We get number eight there in verse 17. She girds herself with strength and she strengthens her arms. Just for space on the screen, I couldn't make it fit anything bigger than that. So I'm just gonna put strong, but it's more than that. It's, It's strengthening herself. It's this place where he, not only is she being a blessing to their own household, but there's a place where she's taking care, kind of strengthening. And I find myself thinking of one of my favorite pictures uh, of what the, you know, when, when it's described for us in David's life, when, you know, everything else was kind of going away, but he just simply says, he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That he, he kind of looked at what was there, and yet there is this place of saying, you know, I need, I, I, I'm recognizing the need. Uh, to, to have strength. And I just want to tell you, it's a good space. It's a good space for all of us to recognize that we take care of ourselves physically and emotionally and spiritually, that there would be a space that we'd look at ourselves and say, you know, what, I, I want to, I, I you know, you can't just kind of, you know, there is a place for exercise. There is a place for, you know, just growing, but there's a place for growing spiritually. And in this place of saying, hey, I make that a priority. I mean, it's just a simple understanding that never happens for any life that doesn't do so intentionally. Nobody ever like, this is a crazy thing. I just got strong without trying. You know, just, you know, kind of all of a sudden got healthy, lost weight, you know, put on some muscles. It was just, I, I did, you know, just you know, never would happen. You know, without saying, No, I I I thought about it. It's like I wanna I want to take care of myself, I wanna be a good steward of, of the life that I have, I wanna grow be be in the midst of that. And it ought to be a space for again, it's a good picture for a godly wife, but it's a good picture for all of us in our response to Christ. That we would look at life and say, you know, Jesus, I don't know how much time I got left but i'd like to be as healthy as i can i'd like to be i'd like to grow i'd like to i'd like to be you know wiser i'd like to know your scripture better i'd like to Dive into whatever it would be that would make me emotionally and physically and spiritually strong because I'm gazing at this and I don't want, you know, just to live this life that's kind of going into a place where everything is just growing weaker and weaker. I want to strengthen myself. And it's a good space that she shines in the midst of this, not just being a blessing to others, but in a sense of taking care, even in the midst of that. Add to that, verse 18, she perceives that her merchandise is good. Her lamp does not go out by night. So the idea is that she perceives what she's doing is good and she's just faithful to stay at that. You know, that there's like, okay, this is a good thing that I'm doing. And so she gives us this picture that in so doing, she does that in a place so that her lamp doesn't go out. So let's just kind of pause and just say this really fast. It probably is, is clear, or maybe if it's not, let me make it clear. We're getting this picture of a godly wife, but it's not something that she did like every single day. I mean, because we just read a couple verses before. It's like, she gets up early. And then now we're reading, she stays up late. And you'd almost have this idea. is like, man, how did anybody do that? I mean, it's not always like a, a picture of a single day or any of that, but a godly life. I think about how he gives it to us in the book of Psalms. In Psalm 127, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Like if it's not God, no matter how much you work at it, it's not going to work. And he just says, it's vain. It's vain for you to rise up early and to stay up late, to eat the blood of sorrows, because he gives his beloved sleep. So I, I kind of want to delay that alongside what we're saying. So this isn't kind of picturing somebody that, you know, never rests, never sleeps, never is a part of that. But we're talking about a faithfulness. We're talking about a place that kind of in this one here in kind of our number nine is this place of, of saying, hey, I'm going to stay at the things that are right. I, I, when I see something's good and this is something that's good in my life then I, i'm going to stay at that you know into the night into whatever that would look like and again good picture for a godly wife great picture for us in christ then we find ourselves doing something good it's like you know i'm going to stay at it i'm not going to throw in the towel i'm not going to give up uh, i'm going to i'm going to be faithful about those things which he says when you realize what you've got, what you're doing is good. It's good not to, to, to let yourself move from that, not quit, not move away from that. That takes us to the next one, number 10, verse 19. It says she stretches out her hands to the distaff and she holds the spindle. So distaff is actually a a term for part of that, uh, you know, sewing mechanism that would be a part of those days. And both of these speak of a skill that's there. It's as if she's, you know, skilled in the way that she's doing that. That she she's in this. That she takes hold of it. She holds the spindle. She is in this place, walking in a place of of just skill uh, and, and learned kind of craft in the midst of it. A place that's doing that. Personalities differ, so there's not a one size fits all here, but there is a sense that God has called us to be this, to be this who would walk in being faithful to what He has. But add to that, verse 20, she extends her hand to the poor, she reaches out her hands to the needy. We see a generousness here. That not only is she caring for her own family, not only is she taking care of her own self, but she's able to look out and say, boy, I, I see the needs. I see others that are in there. And there isn't just a place that says, hey, I take care of me. I take care of my family. It's a sense of, no, I want to take care of my life, and, but I want to be a blessing into others. I, wanna, I see the needs that are around me. I see uh, the, the heartbreak. I see the things that are there. And says so she extends her hand to that. She reaches her hand out to that. And it's a good space. Hey, there's no space that would invite us to to just live selfish lives and, and be a part of that. That's a sinful thing. Uh, it's true for a family it's true for every one of us in Christ. There's not any one of us that God's like, hey, I, I'm just gonna spend the rest of my life taking care of me. Like, I don't, I don't have to care about anybody else. He's like, you know, everybody else on their own. And I was like, no, I meant to grow and care for my family, but as much as I can reach out to others to be this that's generous with my time and energy and efforts, that it's meant to be there for all of us. All right. Well, that takes us to number 12. Halfway through, says she is not afraid of snow for her household, for all of her household is closed with scarlet. So it has this idea of preparation, but it's kind of like looking ahead to the season. It's like she's not worried about it because she's thought it through. She's thought through what's coming for her family. And so, yeah, it's going to get cold. It's going to snow. Hey, she's provided for that. She's clothed them with scarlet and probably some interesting understandings in the midst of that of just faithfully all that would be needed to provide for that and to prepare for that which is to come, to prepare for that which is in the midst of this. And God would call us to the same. To a place of being able uh, to walk in that wisdom and, and, and provide for that without spending much time on it. There's probably even a, a cool gospel nugget. I, you know, every I kind of see that picture of scarlet and see that picture of red, it's like, oh, there's probably, you know, some tie-ins to Christ here. That there's a place of looking at the future and saying, hey, you know, g- gaining towards that, being ready, being ready for all that would be there, and to be prepared certainly is a great space to be. Add to that. Verse 22, she makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine and linen and purple. And so not only is she taking care of others, not only is she providing for her own family, there is a sense of beauty. There is a sense of giving attention to that. And I won't spend a bunch of time on that except to say, that's a God design. Uh, God's designed that. I mean, there is a sense of us being uh, those who who see and and are drawn to things. And and so it's a good space to, to even look at that and say, hey, you know what? We want to be. You know, we want to be those who who are that. And and being that 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 just grows in that, it's a good space for that to even be a godly focus in the midst of that. Well, that takes us to verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. So as I think about how to put this in one word, I'm going to say it in a word that's probably going to sound odd unless you kind of track with me in the midst of it. I'm going to say that she's walking in submission. Uh, She's walking in in what the biblical role of that is. See, it tells us that he's respected. He's respected in the gates, and without taking all the time that it would take to dive into that, we get this incredible picture in the New Testament that God could sum up marriage in one word. One word for the man and one word for the woman, where he said, husbands, love your wives. Wives, uh, submit to your husbands. So, I would put to you that for many Christians, they greatly misunderstand submission. I would say for many Christians, uh, they look at submission as either a value statement of the woman or uh, a place of, you know, what she is supposed to do for herself in the midst of decisions or any of those things. And some of that applies, but it's so secondary. I would tell you that what submission is, is not about the wife, it's about the husband. I would tell you that for 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 love, when he speaks about it for men, it's not about the husband; it's about the wife. I would say that a woman's greatest need is to be loved, that somehow fundamentally has been drawn, built up inside, so that you know, intentionally, unintentionally, every woman is kind of looking for that—a space of. You know, if I know I'm loved, if I know that I'm loved, I can. I, there's, there's a thriving that can happen in the midst of that, but every man is driven by honor. Every man is driven by respect in ways that he understands it and ways that he doesn't. And, and, and if he can't get it to home, he'll get it somewhere else or seek it somewhere else. But when a woman begins to understand, you know what? I'm gonna speak honor into him. I'm gonna be one who is, is that in submission. It's not about you, ladies. It really is about understanding your husband. And I will say it simply this way in a quote that doesn't originate with me, but it's worth just understanding it. Behind every successful man is a supportive woman. Behind every man that's doing well, you'll find that somewhere there's someone who's believed in him, who, who's been his cheerleader, who's been his support and his encouragement. And, and without trying to, to make men sound as frail as we are, we are frail. And, and there's just something about having, a you know, when, when a godly wife gets behind and says, I believe in you. I, I believe in what you can be. I believe in what you can become. I, 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 I want to be one that does this. The opposite of this is to, to be a critic, to be one that Proverbs has spoken about a lot, uh, to be that one who is critical, where it says it would be better to you know, dwell in the upper you know, corner of an upper room than, than to dwell with a critical woman, one who's just tearing down. And in such an opposite picture of saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to build up. I'm going to be one who does that. And so I would simply say, I think it's speaking of that, because it just gives us this picture that the man is sitting there in honor, that he's just, you know, he's there, his husband's known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the lands because of both who she is, but what that has meant to him, what it just resonates deeply inside of him, which is a really, really cool thing. All right. Well, that takes us to number 15. says that there in verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them. She supplies sashes for merchants and uh, just the the place that's there. And the idea is there's just an exemplariness in this. Here's the concept. So she's provided for her family. She's provided for those who, who have needs in the midst of this. She's taking care of her own self But as it kind of lays out this provision, if it lays out the stuff that's there, you know, it just tells us that she's able to sell it, you know, almost as if she could sell it, that she's supplying sashes for merchants. And the concept is simply that she does such a good job that people would buy it. You know, that there's such something there that it's, it's not just enough. It's not just taken care of. There's something that's done with excellence. And it's a beautiful place when you can look at that and say, there's something exemplary in there. And if I can just leave you know, the kind of picture for the wife, though it you know, fully applies there, you can think it through, I would say it's supposed to be true for us. The Bible tells us that we're to do everything we do as unto the Lord. And Paul would say, hey, do it with all your heart. If you're going to do something, do it well. If you're going to do something, do it with, with, with enough so that it tells in Colossians that no matter what it is we're doing, we're giving ourselves to it, we're doing it well. And there's something about that, that it should be done so well that people go like, man, that's, that's worthy. That's something that you'd almost pay for, you know, to see because you, you give it your best and, and, and what a good image that is in a world that so often lives with giving minimal effort. Like, what can I get by with? What's the, what's the least I can do uh, to, to get a paycheck? What's the least I can do uh, in life? And just say, i oh, will do a good job so that it's so much so that it's considered valuable by anybody that would look upon it. All right, verse 25, strength and honor are clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. So this was an interesting one. I'm going to use the word glorious, uh, and that actually is probably a good word for the word that's honor uh, there in verse 25, that's strength and honor. Some of yours would say strength and excellence, um, but it's an interesting word because it really is the word glory. It really is this idea that when it's used of God, and it's used of God throughout the scripture, of his glory that shines, of his uh, majesty, his beauty that shines out of his character. So that's where it just gets a little bit interesting. Like, what do you do with that? I mean, so strength and honor, it, it lets us know our clothing so that she could rejoice in time to come. Well, certainly, again, there's a a practical application that is, you know, the the way that this would carry out in a marriage and a beauty that's happening into this, but the spiritual picture becomes so much more that there is a sense of considering that day when we're going to stand before Jesus and, and longing to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, longing to have God say, well, you know, beautiful, like that's good. That's what we're after. Like I want to be, I want to clothe myself with that. I want to, I want to live my life in such a way that it would be glorious, not just for today, but in the day to come. And the day that's going to be the day that we stand before him that's going to be in there. Because again, that's what it says. You know, it tells us again that strength and honor are clothing, and she shall rejoice in that time to come. All right. Verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness. So she's wise, uh, she's kind. It is that Ephesians, you know, speaking the truth in love. Here's one that's not just, you know, practical, but in the midst of it, she's growing in wisdom. I mean, in a way that it's not just wise and bitter, it's wise and kind. It's beautiful. It is this uh, space that would speak. And and flow out in the midst of that so that her words, you know, flow that way, which again, obviously is what God longs for us, to be those who speak the truth in love. She watches over uh, the ways of her household, verse 27, and does not eat the bread of idleness. That's kind of flowed out in the midst of much of these, but we could very simply say she's not lazy. And again, that's been a big part of the Book of Proverbs, where it's just kind of told us how ugly laziness is, how that's not meant to be a part of our lives, not meant to be a part of uh, of marriage, not since we have a godly wife, but certainly not our response to Christ. Uh, that there would be a sense that, um, just not eating the bread of idleness, not you know, just trying to get away with again as little as you can do, and be in the midst of this. It's not meant to be there. So much of all that's flown in here is talking about this faithfulness, this goodness, this just being about the things that are right and taking care and kind. And so all of that now begins to flow uh, to kind of response. And so we get a few last things uh, that just picture it there in verse 28. We get one of the well-known verses uh, that you can see sometimes put up in plaques and other places and cards. It says, Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also and he praises her. There is a sense that she is praised, uh, not just by those without, but by her children, or her husband, that they would look upon and say, you know, just beautiful, well done, praised, honored. Uh, and, and there's something that just makes that right. I'm trying to think about how to say this, I'm just gonna say it this way. I, I, I know this would be true. And I know it would be true for the ladies here this evening and I just want to tell you if that's if that's what you got, I think you would find like that's what I long for. I long for my kids to look and say, "Hey, mom, you did it white. Like that was beautiful. You 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 set for me a godly and a good example." And and I just want to speak honor to that and have the husband do the same. It's a beautiful, beautiful place, and it's so much what what you, you would long for to say, "Okay, that's." You know, the the life that's worth living, that would be that, that would honestly bring honor and praise, certainly true in marriage, but so much true in Christ. You know, to sit there and say, you know, I want to live a place where, you know, just the impact of my life, uh, it would be, you know, something that would hear praise. And then, you know, the husband, a picture of Christ that he would look upon and say, well done, well done. Like, you did well. I just want to say it in the most simple way. There's not something higher than that. I don't know what you think of, of living life. There's not a higher reward than to think about that day that we end life and to stand before Jesus and to hear that. So that not only maybe those whose lives we've impacted say, hey, thank you, well done. Thank you for what you were to me. And then to hear him say, well done. That, that's what we're living for. That's the, the model with which he lives. That's the pattern with which he's saying. And he just is in that sense, looks at it and says in verse 29 many daughters have done well but you excel them all there's others who've done okay but th- if you've done these things this this is excellent this is this is altogether beautiful this excels everything else that would be there it gives us this picture of that which is so right verse 30 charm is deceitful and beauty is passing but a woman who fears the lord she'll be prized so we kind of begin to to to, to you know, move through everything that we've talked about, and we're talking about rewards, we're talking about honor, and yet so many ways we've we've risen almost to that high watermark of this poem and saying, hey, you know, here's the thing. When we think about what it is to be a woman in this world, a, 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 a wife in this world for the wives that are here, and ultimately for us, again, a picture of how we respond to Christ, there's so many things that people consider valuable. Charm, And, and, and having, as he says, you know, charm is there or, or beauty that some would say, hey, that's, that's the main things. Those are the things that uh, make uh, it just the best. He says, no, those are passing. You know, charm, it's deceitful. Beauty, it goes away. Both, all of these things find themselves not, find themselves not worth saying, hey, that's the key things. You know, the thing that the woman who fears God, who fears the Lord, that, that lives all of this because it's right and because it's pleasing to God. He says, that's the one. That's the one. She, she's the one that's going to get that price. She's the one that's going to hear that well done. She's the one that, that says, okay, this is what I'm living for, and it's certainly what he's calling for. And I could say it this way, hey, ladies, there's no way to get to this any other way than to say, okay, we need, we need this place of fearing God, of living life, In light of God and saying, God, your ways are right, I want to do them. It's true for the ladies here, but again, as we think about the picture in in marriage, it becomes that picture in Christ. There's just no other way than to say, okay, I want to fear God. I want to believe that God is, and I want to believe that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I want to recognize that He's the authority in life and live my life that way, which takes us to the last of this poem the last of its impact. But again, this little section here, it's praising, it's excellent, it's godly. And then he just says, give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. He says, here's what I want to do, that what you've done, let that be which rises up and praises. What you are, let that be that which shines out in that moment. So it's not just words, it's reality, it's this beautiful picture. So it's a great picture of marriage. It's a great picture of what God has in this, but I hope you would see something so much more because that's how it ends, right? We read it just a moment ago. That's how it ends in the book of Revelation. That's how God defines it for us in, in, the, in the midst of his whole thing, that he gives us this picture in Revelation 19 that his wife has made herself ready and to her is granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So it's this day that Jesus is coming back. It's the day at the end of the tribulation. Jesus coming back riding on a white horse. In the midst of this marriage supper of the Lamb, and there's an encounter that's coming. If you're a follower of Jesus, you may not fully understand it, but I'm telling you it's coming. It's a day where we're going to see him in a way that, that's real, that's connecting, that God would just look at it and say, it's a marriage supper of the Lamb. It's this beautiful place. And in this moment, he says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the, the church stand there clothed, clothed in, in, in righteousness. But this righteousness specifically is the things that she has done. The, the good works that were accomplished, the, the things that in Christ, out of Christ, that, that's finally the righteous acts of the saints. So let's think about this for a moment, because we're going to stand there if you're a follower of Jesus. And it's worth thinking through what that's going to look like. Let me just take you back to the passage in Ephesians for a moment where it kind of gives us the picture of marriage and what it looks like. It says, Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word. So he tells the husbands, love your wife. And then says, hey, Jesus is your example, but here's what he's done. He gave himself for us. He died for us. Gave his life for us. And now he cleanses us. He washes us. That's good. That's needed because here what I want to tell you is in that day where we stand before Jesus, all of your brokenness is gone. There's no condemnation. There is going to be no like, okay, let's talk about some of those bad things you did. It's gone. All of it's gone. He washes us. He, he sanctifies us. He cleanses us. And I just want to tell you, there's, there's such hope in this right now. Because some of you are, are, are weighted by your own failures, you're weighted by guilt, and even the idea of standing before Jesus and your life being kind of there, it's like, that's not going to be fun, that's going to go badly, you know, because I have made a mess, but the mess is gone. There's no condemnation. I mean, he, when he paid the price for your sin, if you're a follower of Jesus, he paid all of it. He paid all of it, so it's all gone. It's all gone, but now he's working in you so that he can present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she should be holy and without blemish. That what Christ is doing in us now, not only washing us of our sin, but growing us, building us in him so that on that day at the wedding supper of the Lamb, he could present us to himself. Or he'd say, okay, here we are. Here we are at the end of this place. We don't have spot. We don't have wrinkle. There's none of that, but holy, and how blemish, and beautiful. So we go back to this picture at the end, of, in, there in Revelation, where it defines it for us. Where she's made herself ready. Her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. The righteous acts of the saints. This is where God would call us to now that we would say, I want to be ready for that day. I want to make myself ready. I want to make myself presentable on that day, that what's going to be on display on that day are the good things that we've done. Now, the truth of the matter is that the only way to have anything good is for Christ to do it in us. Jesus told us, you know, without Him we can do nothing. It's only by abiding in Christ that we could have fruitful lives, that there could be something fruitful. And hang on to that word fruitful for a moment because that's what, you know, abiding in Christ promises, that there could be something out of our life that would impact, that there would be impact into others, that, that somehow we'd make a difference in this broken world. It's fruit. But on that day, it's going to be there. And I suppose I'm wanting just to ask it of you this way. What are you contributing to that? You know, Not your brokenness, your brokenness is gone. That's not what we're talking about. What of the beauty? What of the righteous acts of the saints that are gonna be on display on that day that there ought to be a sense of saying, but I want to be this one where I've been granted by him to be arrayed in this. I've been granted by him to do this. That's the Proverbs 31. That's this place where it ends with that idea fruitfulness where again if you're thinking through what we just talked about with abiding in Christ that we could bear good fruit you read it again there in verse 31 give her the fruit of her hands let her own works praise her in the gates ultimately that's the gates that's standing before the Lord that's heaven that's this reality that's being laid out there and here's the deal that's what we're doing now I mean that's what we get to do that when, when all is said and done, and the brokenness is gone, and the sin has been washed away, we want to have that which to give. And as much as I can just encourage it for a moment, there's such danger in the day that we live in. It's so lukewarm. It's so much where people are like, hey, I'm saved. I'm going to get to heaven. What is, does it matter? It's going to matter. Not in a place that's going to be condemnation or guilt, but I can guarantee you, you're going to say like, I wish I'd done, I mean, it would have been right for me to do more, right for me to live a life that's pleasing to God. I want to be one that is virtuous and trustworthy and doing good and, and willingly saying, God, I I want to be a part of what you want me to be. I don't want to be, I I want to do that. I want to be innovative and providing and thinking it through. I want to grow in strength and, and stay at those things that you call me to be, not quit I wanna do it with skill and yet caring and loving and generous so that on those days, a cup of cold water would be like, hey, you gave this in my name. Well done, (laughs) well done. You represented me, You, you did this well. There's this beauty, this submission, this just being exemplary, this glory, this place of praise that he would invite us to that and there ought to be a sense that we could look at it and say, boy, that would be worth living for and I think that's how it's supposed to end I mean, I love Proverbs 31. I love the picture where it gives us a good standard of a godly wife. That's just good all by itself. I don't know if I'd made any sense in it. Others could do a probably much better job, but it's a good picture, hopefully helpful, and hopefully you would own it. Whether you feel close to it or growing in it or not, you'd say, it's right. It's right. It's good for me. If you're a wife here tonight, say, that would be, that's right. God, make me more like that. Forgive me where I'm selfish and, and failing. Make me more what you want me to be but I can't believe that's how it's supposed to end. I can't believe that's how, I believe with all my heart that it's a picture of what I've tried to lay before you tonight. It's us in Christ. It's this beautiful picture of our lives shining, being beautiful and and living our lives so that there's fruitfulness in our lives. So I just call you to it. I call you tonight to even just consider, you know, boy, I would like to have something in that day. And it might be, start being strategic with your life. Like, what am I doing? What am I doing that's good? Who am I helping? Am I doing something that, that's gonna get past the selfishness of this world? I wanna start thinking and providing. I wanna be innovative. I wanna think, okay, God, what, 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 what could I do that would be a part of your kingdom that will stand on that last day that would be fruitful in that day? There ought to be something that challenges you to pursue that. So with that as an aim, that is a desire, that's where we're gonna end tonight. You can close your Bibles, your notebooks, and, and I wanna just invite you to pray. I will say this again. It's a beautiful picture of what Christ is for us. And if you're here tonight and you're outside of this, can I tell you this is what he would do for you? That Christ is the one that gave himself for you to wash you and cleanse you. If you're here and you're out and you're outside of Christ, your sin is, is, is odious, it is obnoxious, and it keeps you from God and everything you would have. But Jesus gave himself to wash us. You can be forgiven. You can be forgiven of your sin. You can be restored. You can be made right. And I pray that tonight you would come there. And then he would begin to make you new. He would begin to build in you good things. He would begin to change you into the things that he would have growing you in that we invite you to that. Many of you, you are his. And there is a sense of just saying, okay, God, I I want that. Let's go. Let's, let's be fruitful. Let's, let's be the people that we're supposed to be in this broken day. May we be those who will be praised as we stand before Him. Let's ask for that. May we go before, before God in prayer, and then we'll close in worship. God, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the beauty that's in it. It is such an amazing picture. And, and Lord, I, I know as a child almost trying to gaze at it, I feel weak in its description, but I love it. I love the design that you made for life. I love the design you made for marriage. I thank you for it. Would you build godly marriages in this room? But I love the picture that it is beyond that. That Jesus, we, we as your bride, we as your people, being those who could grow in you and live lives that matter, that live lives that are fruitful, live lives that on that day where we stand before you in the gates, We have something to clothe in righteousness. Confessing again, Lord, that can't happen in our own strength. Our flesh is so destructive. But you said if we would abide in Christ, we could bear fruit and that fruit would remain. Make us fruitful. Make us more and more fruitful. Make us live lives that are honoring and good in this. I pray for that with an expectation of that day right now. In Jesus' name. Amen.